We are going to be live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, I know I've said this before, but this time I really, really mean it. We have a very special guest on our show tonight. Uh, as all of you good people know, we are in the middle of a great reawakening for one of the most beautiful, useful, and uh, truthfully maligned plants in the history of our planet. I am talking, of course, about the cannabis plant. And our guest tonight is a true warrior uh, in the fight to bring the majestic plant back to the acceptance, use, and availability that it truly deserves. Uh, not only is he making a difference on a go-forward, but he has been uh, doing this and, and fighting the egregious wrongs of people being incarcerated uh, for simply enjoying Mother Nature, going back and trying to get people out of prison. So we're going to get into all that and much more in tonight's show. So without any further ado, please give a warm, no-outlet welcome to Andrew D'Angelo. Andrew, how are you? I'm fantastic. So great to be with you all tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a packed house here. People are excited. I'm excited. Um, we're going to play a game called 20 Questions, and it always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Um, so, you know, I, we're going to start with what I think is the most noble endeavor, and you've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, what can you tell the good people listening uh, right now about the Last Prisoner Project? The Last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit organization. My older brother, Steve, some of you might be familiar with Steve. He and I and a couple other people started Last Prisoner Project three or four years ago. And the mission is very simple, to release every cannabis prisoner that's in prison in the United States and hopefully everywhere on Earth. Uh, so once that's done, Last Prisoner Project is done, and um, we don't have to exist anymore. So hopefully our mission is short. I love um, it. We, so we also work on reentry. You can't get people out of prison if you don't help them reenter into society. And um, certainly we collaborate with other organizations that work on expunging records. So all of those things sort of work together. We have a great website. People can learn. People can donate. People can plug in. Lastprisonerproject.org. Check it out. You can meet some of our prisoners that we're trying to release right now and hear some really inspirational stories. I'm really proud of the organization. In four short years, we've grown massively, mainly because of the industry and the community coming, uh, stepping up, you know, sure. and, and unfortunately, um, you know, the criminal injustice system is very good at what they do. They, they make it very hard to get people out of prison, once, especially after they've been convicted, which we, most of our constituents, all of our constituents are post-conviction. Right. And, you know, you have to get a pardon from the president or a, a act of clemency from the governor of the, at whatever state you live in. Uh, sometimes it's a municipality, very rarely. Um, and that's the only way to do it. And it's just super hard to do. So we need all the help we can get. Yeah, man, absolutely. Go check out that website, guys. Donate, do what you can. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about, but I mean, the sad truth is that once somebody goes into a prison system, they're no longer really considered a person. They're more considered like, you know, something that their people are making money off of. I mean, the, the prison system is, you know, largely for profit, uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that these people are in there for a plant is just, 
it's outrageous. So good work. I love the cause. And again, everybody go check that website out and do what you can to help. Um, you know, so let's broaden the topic a little bit. You know, the, the good news and the bad news about living in a capitalist, you know, system is that, you know, it's all about the money. What I mean by that is, you know, the same way that alcohol and tobacco are widely accepted is not entirely, but largely because there's money to be made. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why so many states, I think we're up to, I don't know, 30 something or 28, I forget the exact number now, but so many states are giving it to green light, um, you know, is because there's money to be made there too. So in your opinion, and you've been somebody, you know, you're at the front lines for a long time now, what is the most challenging hurdle from where we are now uh, to where we need to get to so that it's as commonplace as alcohol or buying a pack of cigarettes? Well, you're talking about access, right? So, so commonplace is, is, is because there's so such wide access to alcohol, cigarettes, um, fossil fuels that you put into your car, fast food that you put in your body, all of these things, all those industries have done a very good job <laughs> yeah. uh, creating a wide access. Uh, every neighborhood, every corner um, has it. Now, we've done that real good in the cannabis community and what I call the legacy or the underground market. Um, you know, pretty much everywhere on earth, you can get yourself some weed yep. uh, if you know the right people. Even in very, very draconian places like Malaysia, those folks have a, a, a vibrant, in fact, underground weed culture there, I've just recently learned. Mm. So it's everywhere, you know, and, and so what we're trying to do is, stop people from getting locked up because in most places in the world you get locked up in Malaysia, you get shot in a far firing squad. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Right. You know, you know, and it's this, this is, this is the kind of thing that we've been subjected to for almost a hundred years since the United States and Harry J. Anslinger and the rest of those folks made it federally illegal in 1937 <laughs> And, you know, most of the victims of this are black and brown people and uh, poor people and immigrants and traders and creative people, you know, have always uh, traded in plant because it's hard to make a living as a creative person. Right, right, right. Um, uh, and also, you know, we use it for creativity. Um, it's, a, it's a, as you said, it's a, it's a plant that, that just is magnificent in its various uses not just healing, but in things like, you know, making music. <laughs> right. How many songs can be traced to uh, uh, stoner inspiration? Sure. Uh, it, it'd be hard to, <laughs> it would be hard to fit them all on one list. So, yeah. um, and, um, so, you know, uh, we have to create that access with legalization and, and, and stop um, throwing people in prison and, the way we do that in a fair way so that folks that have been most harmed by this have a shot at the industry is you have to have good public policy, you know? Right, right. Um, and, and somehow in the court of public opinion that we're all trying to influence right now in this conversation, we have to demand it, man. We have to demand that this isn't just another capitalistic industry that's mm. doggy dog, you know, race to the bottom, um, you know, whoever has the most capital steamrolls everybody else, creates an unlevel playing field with limited licenses or huge barriers to entry. 
or anything else that's going on out there right now in the industry. And, and that's how we have to, we have to force those folks to have a commitment to a, a level playing field. When our people have a level playing field to get on, we usually do okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we usually do okay, man. And, 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 and I don't think we, I think if we ask for anything more than that, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we'll get it. But I think, you know, we should ask for that. Yeah, no, that's fair and well said. Um, all right, so let's shift gears a little bit. So we have a common thread in our past, uh, and that is that we were both part of what I'm going to call like the, I don't want to call it the first wave of hemp companies because it was the original wave back in, you know, the uh, the 1700s, right? But we were, we were part of the early 90s uh, resurgence of uh, the hemp movement. You and your brother, Steve, that you mentioned earlier, uh, were part of a company called Ecolution, which I always looked up to, um, one of the first. Uh, and, and I started and ran a company called Lost Harvest um, that, you know, was one of the first, I would say, maybe eight to ten companies along with you, Ohio Hempery, Headcase. You know, there was a group of us that yeah. all kind of started and we had a good time. And when you, I mean, look back at it, right? One thing that always blows my mind is when you think back to where we were then, and where the marijuana laws were in the early 90s, right? We're coming out of the Reagan era, and, you know, we're still looking at the Bush years of, like, busting people that are selling, you know, bongs and shit like that. Did you ever think back then that if you fast forward to now that uh, marijuana would be more widely used and uh, utilized than industrial hemp would be? Well, you know, it's funny because in that very, you may remember there was a, a big split in the movement on what we should do to legalize weed. Should it be through industrial hemp or should it be through medical cannabis? That's right. And you had the Dennis Perones and, and that whole crowd um, advocating for medical. And then we were advocating for industrial, right? Mm-hmm. And we were, And actually, both were right. We were both right. But Dennis was right. The world was ready for medical a lot more faster than it was ready for industrial. Mm. It's too bad because we were making some great products. I remember your company. I remember the Hempery. I remember Head Case um, and Gail and what he was doing down there sure. in Arizona. You know, and and, um, and people were making some pretty good products, just as good as the hemp products that are hitting the scene now. It's not better. I mean. Um, the Ecolution jeans were just unbelievable. I still have them and they, they seem brand new, you know, um, um, two star dog, remember two star dog. Oh yeah, man. Love two star dog. Um, great product, really beautiful product. And, 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 and we got, you know, the, 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 all that, we were all sourcing from Eastern Europe and then the Chinese blew the bottom out of the hemp market. And a lot of us didn't want to do business with the Chinese, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happened to us. We were just like, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, thank you. This was right after Tenement, not far, not long after Tenement. That's right. Know? That's right. And so we're like, no, we identify with the guy in front of the tank, not with the guy in the tank. <laughs> totally. Um, um, so then we were like, well, we better pivot to medical, you know? And that's when we began our pivot back to medical. Um, because by then we had legalized in California. I mean, we, it wasn't like we were all like at each other's throats, F you medical, F you industrial. 
we were supporting each other. I mean, um, we were sending money to Dennis and that whole crew sure. for for Prop 215 out here in California. And, and um, I was still in grad school in San Francisco when that happened. Well, the first one happened in San Francisco before the statewide one. And I collected signatures, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, 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 it was one of those things where, you know, the movement did have a split in energy. And it went all back to Jack Harris' book because his book is the one that said it's a medicine and it's a fiber going way back. And, you know, we were like, holy moly, we didn't know that. And so that's when Dennis, at the same time that Jack was releasing that book, he was seeing the people dying of AIDS, getting their life extended um, with cannabis and, and their wasting syndrome and uh, getting improved. And not only that, having a much more profound and me- meaningful end to their lives um, um, with, with cannabis so and that plant medicine. So all those things happened at once. We were all there and we were all doing different um, parts of it. But the, the industrial hemp side was, was, like you said, a lot of fun. And, and um, you know, we, we were in Washington, D.C. We were in, you know, places it, 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 a little bit different than California where it, it, the consequences of slinging a bunch of medical weed um, was a lot more, you know, and so um, uh, uh, the industrial felt a little safer for us, you know, sure. too. Yeah, no, it was a good time, and I, I always look fondly back at that time, and I got, you know, a couple Lost Harvest posters up in the studio, so it's uh, – Fond memories. So let's let's do a State of the Union for the state of California because I'm out here on the East Coast. We're in New England. So you've got Maine, you've got Massachusetts, Vermont, um, Connecticut, basically the only state, the state that really hasn't met up with the rest of them is New Hampshire. And even they have a medical, you know, program in place. So if you can give the, the fine folks listening um, a State of the Union of what's happening with the California legal uh, marijuana market because you know you hear different things you see different things but i want to get the truth from the source so so what's happening out there are, what are the challenges and what's next for the state of california well i'm sitting in my home office in oakland california right now i'm, I'm very close to this the state of the union's back okay. uh, the state of the, the cannabis union is not good in california it's an adult use framework we had a great framework under medical um, and, and, and one of the keys to that framework being so successful was the attorney general at that time, Jerry Brown, said that if you want it to be protected on the medical framework, you had to operate your profit or your business as a nonprofit. Um, so we didn't have a whole bunch. We didn't have any investors. No, investors don't invest in nonprofits. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right, and- right. And so it's all small businesses. It was all mom and pops. It was all hippies and artists and people of color and freaks and, you know, um, LGBTQ people. And we had a, just a really good community. Now, we were still getting busted by the feds. Um, um, the only people who could get licenses generally were retailers. So growers were very, very exposed still. Um, and all, even at the state level, were very exposed still. Um, and it was, it, it, you know, it was a time of, of terror and, and being very, very afraid mm. um, because the, the the way you had to be legal under the medical program involved, you know, creating collectives. And, you know, some people were better at that than others. And if you weren't good at it and you didn't do it just right, you could get busted by the state. and you know, all the, and, and the state 
wasn't down with it, man. I mean, you know, people say, oh, California's real liberal political, politically. Not true. California is not a liberal political state. Mm. It is conservative, um, actually. And when that's why it's such a hard time with adult use program. The adult use program, um, unfortunately, we had lost an election in 2010 for adult use, which was a much better framework. And then when we went for 2016, the only way we can get enough money to win was to, you know, create some deals with the devil, which we thought we would be able to fix after the fact, especially if we had won a big majority in the vote, which we did 59%, which is a huge majority in California. Right. And, um, but we have not been able to fix it. And as a result, we're overregulated, we're overtaxed. We've got all kinds of enemies in law enforcement, local people are banning dispensaries all over the place. There's, only about 40% as many dispensaries now as there were under the medical program. Cause just mm. as you know, in Massachusetts, same thing is happening with all these local bands everywhere. Um, and if there's not a local ban, there's lo- local extortion. I call it with taxes and all these other things that you have to do. And it really makes it impossible to be profitable. And what happens when your business isn't profitable is it runs out of cash or it becomes very distressed because it's almost running out of cash. Right. Uh, once a business runs out of cash, you're done. You have to lay everybody off and you're done. I mean, you're literally done. That is the end. Um, you might be able to sell whatever's left over pennies on the dollar. And as an entrepreneur, you're starting all over again. And we've seen these extinction events, particularly with small farmers, craft cannabis, people who didn't have the money to, to overcome these barriers to entry, overcome these licensing overcome all this local extortion and taxation and so forth and so on. So um, now most of the California cannabis industry is owned by Canadians and New Yorkers who have the big companies that they're trading, like my former company, Harborside, publicly traded on the Canadian markets. Harborside was a beacon of grassroots, you know, and, and now it's basically corporate cannabis, you know, the founders are no longer there. And, um, and including me and haven't been for a while and um and and that's what's happened in in california now there's this year we're striking back we're we're more organized the problem is we have one of the reasons we haven't been able to fix is we're fragmented and 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 everyone's not agreeing with each other i've seen that in massachusetts i've seen that in other places Mm -hmm. and we got to come together and that means we're going to have to make some sacrifices and compromises with each other, which nobody wants to do in our community. Cause mm. you know, every, and, and everybody's right and they're not wrong, but um, you know, but everyone can't be right, <laughs> right at the same time and have a bunch of different agendas that they're trying to get done. So, so, and it just confuses the elected officials that we're trying to persuade. So we're, I hope this year we'll get, some reform um, and in California, and that will help um, not only restore the small businesses and social equity folks that are in the program right now, but get a whole bunch of new ones in and get some of the ones that had to leave back in. But I think we're looking at a couple-year process of all that unfolding, and until unless we make progress in Sacramento this year, mm-hmm. With respect to taxes, um, with respect to local control, um, it, it's going to be 
it's going to continue to be real tough in California. So yeah. that's sort of the California report. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had um, better news, but, um, you know, that's sort of the truth of it. Yeah, no, compromise is hard to find. You know, compromise is something that helps every situation that's tenable. And it's always something that's, you know, no one wants to give ground, unfortunately. And it's tough to to make it work. And, you know, I, I think the only, you know, I always look for the silver lining. I always try to be positive and optimistic. And, and I think that if you were to go back and take a look at, you know, after Prohibition, when alcohol was made available to the general population again, you know, there were some of this similar wranglings and it, it all boils down to money. It all boils down to people not wanting to give ground. And I, and I think ultimately I always look at the, you know, the big, big picture and the big, big picture is that right now there's a lot of places where you can have legally marijuana and you didn't used to be able to. So you have to hang on to that positive. And I think the rest will eventually work itself out one way or the other. Uh, and I appreciate the, uh, the California report, Andrew. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the big picture, global big picture things, wins at our back. We're winning left and right. That's right. Uh, uh, all glory to the Cannabis Tribe. There you go. There you go. All right. And speaking of Cannabis Tribe, uh, what is right now, what is your favorite strain right now? Oh, wow, man. Let's see. Um, there's all these new strains, you know, um, that are are are. Are, are coming on um, in, in California. I don't know if you heard them all, but hold on. I just smoked one I really like, so let me share that one. There you go. Uh, to prepare for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this one's called Sweeties with a Z on the end. Sweeties. Okay. There's another one that's really hot out here called Oreos with a Z because the Zittles and the Skittles are being used in the breeding a lot right now. Oh, interesting. So you're seeing a lot of these Zs. Um, and um, so you get you get some of the fruitiness from the Zittles, but then they're trying to get some more dankness in from the other strains, I think. We're moving from, you know, candy, like I call it Jolly Rancher weed where everything's like cookies is like that, right? Cookies is like very sweet. It tastes like a Jolly Rancher sometimes. Mm. Um, um, we're moving back into the danker strains, you know. I think you're going to start to see more dank weed hitting the... Certainly, that's what's happening in California. Generally, it moves across the land as the genetics get happen in California. They magically appear. <laughs> right, right. Uh, in Massachusetts and other places. And so... Um, you know, that is, I think, um, look for the Z's. I think the Z's are coming. I like it. I like it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause when I was, you know, when I was in high school and first started to use cannabis, you know, there was one type of weed and that was weed and, you know, you got it and it came <laughs> and, and you hoped it was good. Right. And then eventually, you know, that I went to college and you start getting better weed and hydroponic weed. And then I got into the hemp industry and then you really, I went over to Amsterdam a few times. Then you started to see, oh, wow, there's all these different types. And now my son's actually in the marijuana industry. And years ago he was like, oh, and here's the Bill Murray and here's this and there's that. And it's like, and, and they're all uniquely different. It's not a ploy. There aren't these different names just to have a different name on them. They all look different. They smell different. They taste different. They give you different effects. And it's truly uh, amazing. And I think, you know, people liken it sometimes to different varieties of wine. But I think it's even more incredible because these are all things that are being grown, not manufactured in a wine plant. So uh, the more strains, the better. I think there's something out there for everybody. 
Oh yeah, it'll keep coming. The the problem with the strains is authenticating them for the consumer because as you mentioned over and over, it is all about the money for some people. And they'll just straight up straight up lie, man, and mislabel it because, you know, something's popular right now. Right. And, and the consumer buys it and they go home and they experience it and they go, eh, what's the big deal? <laughs> right, 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 right. And then it's just like, ah, you know, and, and, and actually there was a study done recently. I forget the group, but they did two studies. One was this whole Indica Sativa hybrid. Is there any truth to it? And they tested, I mean, thousands of samples and they went through the lab results and they could, uh, there was no scientific basis to Indica Sativa hybrid. Oh, interesting. Uh, and the same thing, they went through and did DNA testing on the strains that mm-hmm. they bought, like something like a huge amount, 80, 85% of them were wrong, were wrongly labeled. Um, wow. So, um, so that's the thing we got to clean up, I think. Um, uh, and I, the way to do it is with DNA testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get, get around that, boys and girls. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, but that will then cost the whoever more money to get that test done. But if you then you could market it right and you could say Zittles, Skittles, cookies, whatever. And here's the DNA test or the QR code and you can go check it out yourself. And then you can, you know, in some places you can in California, in some places you can actually pick up, you know, a jar of weed and scan a QR or a package of weed, scan the QR code before you even buy it, you know. Um, uh, and you can see exactly all the information and what I, what I tell people to look for, man, yes, look for the percentages and all that. Yes, yes, yes. But the most important thing that's usually in the fine, fine print is what was the package date of that? Because if you want that package date, obviously to be as close to the day you're smoking it. Totally. (laughs) You know, and if it's like a year and a half old, you know that some, you know, this this was sitting in inventory for a while, um, and and that 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 and, and it's really hard because the, when you go on a website, they don't they don't list that. You, you often have to get in the really the details to find what the package date was. So so I I I see I see other metrics being used to inform consumers in the future. Mm-hmm. Right now the test result is what people have the most thing to rely on and that's why I don't know this whole craze of buying the highest testing THC weed is the best weed. That's not necessarily the case, man. I've smoked weed 12, 13, 14, 15%. That was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's just people have to just calm down on that part of it a little bit. <laughs> well, it's all, and it all depends on what each individual person is, is looking for and what they're doing. Are they cleaning the garage? Are they painting? Are they, you know, yeah. cutting the grass? Are they, you know what I mean? Like, what are they doing and, and what's going to help them enjoy that situation better? And it's not always the highest potency, right? So there's a lot of different reasons why people would use. So folks, you just heard it here. That is called a pro tip. Look for the package date. That is great advice from someone who knows. Um, shifting gears away from marijuana for one second. What is the best music concert that you've ever seen? Oh, wow, man. I, I, you know, I'm a deadhead. So I've gone to so many, uh, dead concerts, uh, in my life. And, and, you know, the, 
the first one I went to is memorable, and it was in Chula Vista, California, in September of 1985. The Dead were not the Grateful Dead were not at their best. <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, totally. Year Jerry was not in the best of uh, health um, that particular year, but it was the first time I went to a Grateful Dead concert. I was 3,000 miles from home in California. I was going to college. And it was the first time someone gave me some really good acid, <laughs> um, uh, you know, um, yeah. because on the East Coast, the, the, the psychedelic the medicine available to me on the East Coast before I got into college was not quite as good as that's available at the Grateful Dead show. <laughs> um, and, um, and so that was a really memorable concert. I also, on my birthday in my 30s, I got to see the Who play Quadrophenia, the entire, um, the entire oh, no rock way. opera. Yeah, Quadrophenia. And that was like in the 1990s as well, more in the late 90s. And um, I think it was 1998 or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and that was in Madison Square Garden. Uh, we were very close to the stage and it was, it was, they just crushed it. Oh, um, um, so, uh, those were two that stand out, but you know, there's, there's quite, <laughs> there's quite a lot of, I probably went to, I don't know, a hundred and some, you know, different, uh, incarnations of the Grateful Dead. And then, sure. you know, all the other, all the other bands. I also love going to jazz fest in new Orleans, even though, you know, still it's gotten very commercial these days. So I love going. To, I'm going this year actually to Jazz Fest, and so that's always a real good time too. Totally, yeah. And you were mentioning earlier, you know, how many songs were you know spawned from the use of cannabis, and I would say that the the that's totally true. And then the other way to look at it is what you know enjoying cannabis does when you're listening to music. You know, it's like I've listened to a song. Uh, a million times, and then I'll listen to it one time, and, and I might have just smoked or, or done whatever, and it and it there, I noticed something different. It hits me different, you know. So I think that uh, any kind of art, whether it's you know painting, sculpture, you know uh, movies, even, but certainly music. I think music and cannabis uh, are, are just an absolute perfect match together, and, and for so many reasons, in so many ways. And I, I don't think it's limited to any one type of music. It doesn't have to be a quote unquote stoner or jam band. It could be, it could be anything. It could be Miles Davis. It could be, you know, anything that you're into, it's going to be enhanced, you know, in some respect by, with the use of cannabis. Oh yeah. The whole music and cannabis combo came out of the jazz era, you know, and, 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 and it was the jazz guys that, learn that hey if i smoke a little gauge the music slows down i can play more notes and um in between the notes and you know yeah. i hear my bandmates better and um and so it, it it it's been that way so um yeah I, I i think a lot of people can't imagine creating i can't imagine cre i'm not a musician but i do a lot of writing and i can't imagine doing that without cannabis Right, right, absolutely. Um, I noticed on, I believe it was your Twitter feed um, that you had a suggestion, and I believe, and if, if I'm wrong, just correct me, but I'm pretty sure that your uh, one of your suggestions about what's happening, the terrible situations happening in Ukraine, is to airdrop high dosage edibles, um, and I think that not only would that apply there, 
but I think it would apply a lot of different places and scenarios. Uh, so how do we make that happen? How do we, how do we get uh, uh, more high dosage edibles to the people that, that need it the most? Well, I mean, you know, you, you write a tweet like that in Jeff part only partly. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, but um, look, I guarantee you there are people in Ukraine and Russia right now that are, making sure cannabis is getting into the hands of the people. It might not be a high dose edible. It, mm. might, it, it might be some Moroccan hash or it might be some weed they grew that last summer or it might be, you know, because I, li- I actually, you know, when we had the hemp company, I spent a lot of time, you know, Romania and even a little time in Ukraine and, and time in certainly Czech Republic. And, um, you know, there's a tradition of people growing their own weed. It, it goes way back in those those bohemian lands over there so um particularly in czech republic but also romania for hemp and um Mm -hmm. so so there are folks doing that now the problem is you know the mainstream people in ukraine and the mainstream people in russia you know the weed scene is probably still very much underground there Mm -hmm. um and so how do we get it to the mainstream people because that's the one we got to convince them right um and you know, it's got to be done there the same way we did it here. We 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 start with the medical and we um, get people into the heart. You know, we don't try to appeal to their intellectual. We appeal to their heart. We make them demand the change, and then the change happens. You know, yeah, yeah totally. So, speaking uh, of edibles, what, in your opinion, uh, and this is, you know, everyone's going to have a different answer, but for you, what's the perfect dosage for an edible? Well, me and my brother are maniacs when it comes to this thing. So, you know, you have to take all this in and please don't try this at home. But um, unless you're, you know, at the same level we are. But I generally start at 100 milligrams. Holy Moses. Yeah. I do 50. I do. I do 50 in certain situations. I do 100 in other situations. Um, uh, My brother will take 200 at a time. Um, so and now we've been consuming edibles and weed for 30, 40, 50 years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so your tolerance builds up over that time, yep. and, you know, it's not like we ever stopped. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so, um, your receptors need more and more. Um, uh, so that's kind of where we're at with it. I, I, I like taking, you know, um, non solventless based capsules because i'm trying not to have the calories you know that gummies and other things have of course Um, and it's also easier to find in the in the legal market the capsules the high dose capsules Uh, most of the edibles are limited to 10 milligrams here uh in california um uh and so i i can't sit there and eat 10 gummies every time i want to do this and i find you know first thing in the morning um I, I, I take mine and it, I, my first dose lasts me through the workday. So I don't need any more until I'm done working. And then sometimes I'll take more edible then, or sometimes I'll just rely on inhaled cannabis for the rest of the evening. Yep. Yep. So um, I think it's only fair that I, I asked you that question. So I have to answer it myself. So for me, it's, it's 25. Um, but you know, I, I know people that are in the same, you know, ballpark as you. And, and the thing I always felt like when, when Maine first started, uh, you know, legalized sales, I always felt like the, the biggest market was like 
you know, uh, biggest untapped market was like the the soccer moms, the people that have a couple of glasses of Chardonnay at the end of their day. And they might want like a three, four, five, six, up to 10 milligram. But my son, who again is in the industry, he's saying the biggest growth is that, you know, um, 75, 100, that area is where everyone's, that's what they're asking for. So it just goes to show it's like, it's like anything else. You know what I mean? Like there's a shoe to fit everybody's foot, right? And uh, you got to find what works best for you and go with it. Yeah, find your spot, and, you know, it's always better to take too little than too much. That, that, that is advice. That's another pro tip, folks. Look for the package date and start with half of half of what you think you want, and then you can always take more. Um, okay, changing topics. Have you ever seen a UFO? No. Fair enough. Um, only reason why I ask is last summer, for the first time in my life, I saw one. And uh, now I have to ask everybody if they've ever seen one because I know I saw it. I, I was next to five people. They all saw it too. And it was pretty wild. But uh, I'm convinced they're out there. You recently had. I hope you still oh, have some of the, the weed you were smoking that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm not going to say that had nothing to do with it. But. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, who experience them really experience them. I, I, I believe that. And, yeah. you know, I funky shit in the sky um, uh, that made me go, huh, is that some kind of weird military outfit? Well, um, you know, it's funny you uh, say that because I, I, I tell you, I saw it and I, I'm convinced it was not something from out of this world. I'm convinced it was a new stealth uh, you know, triangle shaped, you know, fighter pilot that they're flying around the East Coast. And I think that most of the sightings that we're seeing are of that ilk. Now, who knows? But that's I, yeah. I think you're spot on there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yes, yeah, that would be my. Well, if I had to believe in anything, that's what I would be inclined most to believe in. I mean, these guys have so much money to spend on that sort of thing, and look at. I mean, look at they're launching stuff into space like every other day, Elon Musk, and you know, and mm -hmm. it's. The technology, we have no idea where what this technology, where this technology is at, man. We we down here at the level of the people. I mean, we have no idea what whether it be AI or robots or aeronautics or space or whatever. And and so no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If you're yeah. absolutely right. Some advantage, and, and and you know they might really be analyzing how many people call in and say they saw a UFO. That's know? right. That's right. Until As they the can data. climb around without getting any phone calls, right? They've got work to do. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a weird thought. Um, all right. So yeah. uh, shifting gears again. So you recently had uh, Ricky Williams on your Instagram Live, and he's one of my favorite athletes for a lot of reasons, but he was somebody who walked away um, on his own behalf. He, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, everyone knows this, but he was uh, fined for his marijuana use while he played in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that always blows me, it's like, you know, there are NFL players that are going out there, putting their body in serious harm's way, you know, people getting CTE, life-ending, you know, debilitating injuries, some people getting paralyzed, all these terrible things. Uh, and yet they're not allowed to use cannabis and all the healing properties, you know. So I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, and they're okay with Toradol. Like Toradol is this massive steroid and it's totally legal to use in the NFL.
but yet they can't use cannabis. Um, do you think that that will ever change that, that sport that a uh, major sporting outlets like the NFL, like NBA and on and on will stop testing for marijuana? Oh yeah, sure. They will. Yep. Um, it take quite some time to get to that point. The NFL should have done this a long time ago. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's really an act of malpractice that they haven't done it given what Amen. different can, cannabinoids can do to people with concussed. I mean, the Israelis already proved this. I mean, in battlefield concussions, they already proved this. If you, if you zap someone with massive doses, mainly of CBD, but other things in there too, um, within 30 minutes of the concussion, it will it will like massively reduce the the, the permanent damage. Um, and so I don't understand why they any sport that where somebody gets their head rattled um, ought to ought to have done that. Yeah. As soon as that study came out, they should have done it. But I think what's going to move this forward the fastest is what ha- happened to Shakari Richardson um, and the Olympics this past winter i guess it was or no she was a runner so summer, summer yeah. Olympics. and um and and it, it, she got banned for weed which is not in any way going to help a runner win a race okay nope. and if anything it's gonna make you a little slower um and then in the winter Olympics, the gal from russia who was the skating rink girl she got to use like a steroid yeah Oh, legit. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and she get and she could tip and they caught her and she tested positive in. and she still she still skated. It's nuts. She still got to skate, man. Um and I hope that just that just and you know, she carry of course did all she could to be an activist when she saw that happen, but and and all the rest of us should too, man. It's outrageous double standard and, and I, I felt so I felt so bad for her when that happened. Um here's you know, someone in her family dies and she's mourning them. Mm. Using cannabis to mourn and grieve, which is a perfectly fine application of cannabis, okay? Right. It's, 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 I mean, like you said, for millennia, people, yeah, used to burn at the funeral. Um, right. So, so you know, it, it, it's just beyond crazy. But I do think that as the science continues, as, we build more and more momentum. The world of sports will have no choice but but to do this. I think the NBA already did it. Okay, or ne- NBA never did do it because they lose about eighty percent of their players. Or if they did do it, they they did it very sporadically and 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 basically not that no no NBD. Right. But, yeah. It's, um, it's almost like a don't ask, don't tell scenario in the NBA. I think it's like that, and like unless you're like smoking a joint in the locker room, and then they have to test you, um, um, or something like that. Yep. Man, it's like those guys all smoke weed, um, or a whole bunch of them do. Because um, uh, I've interviewed a couple of them; they told told me the story. Of course. So, um, so I think it's coming. It's just a matter of time. It's just one of those effed up things. It might be, you know, one of the last things that we get to flip. Yep. Yep. All right. We're down to our last two questions. You've been a great guest. Uh, so second to last question, going back to ecolution, uh, real quickly. Um, now this doesn't have to be an ecolution product answer. It can be for sure, but going back to that first, 
you know, because it went from one year there were really no hemp products, and the next year it was like, you know, a, a million different types. What was your favorite hemp product from back then, and uh, what was your favorite industry trade show to attend? Well, the only ones you could really attend back then were overseas. Well, there was the um, Jacob Jab, the uh, I remember the International Fashion oh, Boutique yeah, there Show. Was the fashion show. There was the fashion show at Javits. Yes, that's yeah. right. That was very fun. Yeah, that was very fun because we were like felt like we were in the mainstream at that point. We were pirates. Yeah, we felt so. That was fun. The yeah. Javits shows were fun, and right around that time, the Body Shop did their whole hemp line of products. That's and right. So we thought. We- we thought we were breaking through to the mainstream. We were so fucking wrong. But um, um, uh, we thought we were because, hey, we're in Javits Center. Um, uh, but my, I, the shows I liked the most were the there, – there was a great show in Germany we did. I forget the name of it. It was, a, it was kind of an eco fashion. Yeah. And then, um, and then there was um, one – I think High Times Cannabis Cup shows were were really fun too because you got to smoke weed at the booth and you know and uh uh and that was more of a grassroots show um and but you know a lot of our customers and your customers were head shops and and so that's where they all were buying their orders for the next year so um those shows because we just felt so much freedom you know and Amsterdam at those shows um but man each and every one of them was special in their own way it it was just so much fun to see everybody um to party with everybody to talk about what was going on one of my favorite products Ohio Hempery had a bomb they made um that you'd rub on your sores and you'd rub on your cuts and you'd rub on your I remember that man it was so good to this day one of, if not the best bomb I've had. Um, and so that's a product I remember. There's some of the headset stuff, I mean, that were just great. Galen was really good at these slogans, right? Um, uh, uh, and so there were some great hats that were made out of hemp that had some great, you know, sort of political righteous slogans on them. Totally. Uh, or he would, you know, quote Jack book you know um and um so those were great products too and um you know it 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 it, today you know it's i love a company called noello they're out they they do custom made uh 100 hemp jeans and other oh wow products yeah there's hard to find 100 percent these days mostly blends totally uh the blends are really nice, though. I've been getting everything from cardigan sweaters and pretty nice shirts and stuff. Soft clothes, really good soft clothes, sweatpants and stuff that have blends. Um, and pasta, Spignoli pasta in Brooklyn has a, a wonderful, it's a blend with Durham wheat flour, but it's hemp flour. And it's sourced in the United States. So the newer products coming online, even if they're blends, are you know, they're starting to be at the kind of level we were starting to hit um, right there at our peak. And they're, I think they're going to, you know, now take them to new levels. And I expect to see the luxury people, luxury brands start getting into hemp, kind of like 
body shop did back in our day, but 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 more like the Louis Vuittons and Gucci's of the world, because all those companies, their ecological footprint sucks, mm. and um, it has to get better. And 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 you know, if you treat hemp properly, you can make it soft. So um, without you know, trashing the planet. So um, so I I expect to see some of those things coming online. I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah. It's so cool to see it still happening. All right, last question, and it's an easy one for all the fine folks listening and our studio audience and, and out there in the world. Where can they find out more about Andrew? Uh, give them your Instagram handle, your Twitter handle, wherever you want people to find you. Where is that? Uh, yeah, most of my social media handles are Andrew underscore D'Angelo. That's IG, that's Twitter, that's TikTok. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm andrewdangelo.com is my website. You can, and then lastprisonerproject.org is Last Prisoner Project. Uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn under Andrew D'Angelo. Beautiful. And he also writes for Forbes magazine, folks. Uh, he, he's been uh, fighting for the plant for, for 30 years plus, and he's continuing. And it was our absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, if you could see the audience here, they're standing up, they're doing the wave, they've got big, huge flags with your face on it. Um, they're all excited you were on here, and I, I, I'm totally thrilled. It's good to talk to you again, and again, thank you so much for being on the show, and, and I wish you the best in, uh, in all your endeavors. Uh, it's been a, a really fun time being with you all tonight. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Take care, man. Bye-bye. All right, see ya.